0: thank you for listening to the redemption church podcast for more information about redemption church please visit redemptionokc.com you can stay up to date on sermons by subscribing to our podcast on itunes thanks again for listening we have a special guest this morning. Jared, why don't you come on up here? I want to introduce him to you. Jared, this is Jared Musgrove. Um, he's come up from the Village Church down in the Dallas area. And we are just glad to have him. Why don't you guys give him a, a round of applause? Um, so Jared and, uh, and his teammate Justin came up yesterday to talk to our group leaders Um, And those who are just curious about what it looks like to lead group. Um, And we got to spend three hours just wading deeply into those waters. And uh, it was just a fantastic blessing. So uh, my heart's full already from the time we spent yesterday. And I'm just excited about what this morning is going to come, what this morning is going to bring. And so, Jerry, can I just pray for you real briefly and then I'll let you get after it. Uh, God, thank you so much for this man and his heart after you. Thank you for his ministry at the Village Church. Um, God, all the ways that you have used him to pour into that body. And we thank you that he's here with us this morning. We hold our hands open and just say, God, would you use Jared, and would, we, would you use your words uh, through him this morning just to edify our body, to grow us closer to you, and help us understand what it looks like to walk in biblical community together. We pray and ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Yes. Thank
1: you, Redemption Church, for, for having us. Uh, greetings to you from the brothers and sisters at the Village Church down in Flower Mound, Texas. Um, we have been uh, not just aware of you guys, but also kind of partners and prayerful for you for years. Uh, I met Jeff years ago as he came and did some work with our church and also our church planting program, and I think that this is some of the fruit of, of his work, of his faithfulness, of your prayers and so it, it actually, I do feel like I'm sitting with extended family today, which is really always the case when you're sitting with the family of God, right? Amen. And so today, I just want to encourage you, as we prayed before the service, and I, and I was kind of like praying through our time today, is if I can just be a reminder, and this is not the sermon, this is just, a, this is an encouragement for you. This meeting right here, when you're gathered in this way, is a mighty thing. This delights your father in heaven, this being together. This is how he describes it in the book of Ephesians. We're not going there this morning, but I wanna encourage you this way because this gathering right here, here's the reality. This is fullness of him who is all in all. That's what God's word calls this that's happening right now. It's body of Christ, it's holy temple, it's marriage, it's true community, it is dwelling place, and it is the manifold wisdom of God. This was his plan from the beginning, that you and I would be sitting together, that he would use us to push back darkness. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Would you turn to Psalm 133? And as you're turning there, I do want to introduce you to a few people who are most dear and special to me. Uh, first will be my wife Jenny, there sitting there at the back. My wife Jenny, my son Jordan, and my son Joshua made the trip up here with us. Uh, you may or may not know this about us, but we are from the state. We're Oklahomans. Um, we've just been exiled to Texas for ministry, and so we are proclaiming the gospel to that people group down there in Dallas. But this is home. This is home for us, really. We grew up here in the state. We attended college here in the state. Two different colleges, two large different colleges. (laughs) Yet there's unity in the marriage. There's gospel purpose. Um, But also here today is one of uh, my closest comrades and one of the best partners I've ever had in ministry, Justin Elfrost and his wife, Christy, along with their boys, they came up here. And so together we get to lead the group's ministry. They're at Flower Mound doing discipleship. This passage here in Psalm 133, I think is essential to us thinking about walking together. So would you stand together as we read God's word? Behold how good and pleasing or pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion or the parched hills. For there, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. You may, have, you may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. May God bless the preaching of his word this morning. The Bible's way and description of life with God is walking. If you've read through your Bible, there's this constant refrain from Adam and Eve walking in the garden with God. Abraham being led to walk with God out of his homeland into trusting God that he would bring him into a land that he would give his descendants. God's people walking with him as he led the way out of Egypt, and so on and so forth. Jesus calling disciples, you come walk with me. That's really important to what we're doing here, both on the Sunday morning and then the six days that go on after it. Because this idea of kind of personal relationship with God, you're not going to find that phrase really in the Bible. It's certainly true. You have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe if you believe in his son, Jesus Christ. He has given you his Holy Spirit to guide you and to minister to you and to minister through you. So there is personal relationship. But there's an active verb at the center of that personal relationship and the relationships that God gives us. And it's walking. This is a walking psalm. This is a final, uh, next to final psalm in a series of psalms called the Songs of Ascent. This is what the people of God would sing as they would journey to the temple together to praise God. They would sing these songs. These are, in a sense, community identifiers for the people of God. And they would sing these as they would go to worship Yahweh in the temple. And it's meant to show us that walking with God is a community project. Your walk with God is dependent on one another. And you know what? God says that's exactly as I designed it. That is good to see my people walking in unity. It makes me want to sing. And it makes these pilgrims want to sing. And so we're going to sing a little bit today using this psalm, that walking together with God and with one another is a subject worthy of praise. But I want to let you in on an experience I've had in the last 18 months to two years, how I was redirected in my walking the past two years for me have been the most difficult of my life, both personally and pastorally. This is really my story of walking into a desert and being led out by the gift of God in community. And so it was revealed to me about 18 months ago that I, I was in a desert and I'd been wandering, I don't know how long, but I realized that I had been stepping back from people. I had been stepping back from community, which is incredibly ironic considering my day job. I'm a groups pastor. This is what we do. That was also part of the lie I bought into. And the gift of God to me was walking with two of my friends, really driving in a car, we were traveling to a conference. And we were just having good discussion among brothers and I had asked them it's like, hey, do you guys see any way in me that is not right, that is not following the Lord, that, that needs adjustment? And one of the most life-changing things in my adult life came from one of my friends who was sitting in that car. He said, honestly, Jared, it feels like there's this part of you you hold back from us. Like there's kind of this, this wall. Like you're, like you're not letting us really see you Vulnerably, like you're not letting us see you as weak. We don't really see that part of you. And sometimes you're so guarded around us and I'm really not sure why you feel like you need to be. This is God working through his people. That right there, that, that driving together, that traveling together gave way to a conversation and a word from a brother that redirected my walking with God and with other people. Because the thing is, he was right and I knew it. You've ever had someone say something to you like that? So insightful, so simple. Reading your mail, it was a gift of God to me because I had been holding back. I'd been hurt by people. I'd been hurt by church people. And so what I naturally did is I began to withdraw. I self-protected. I tried to step into the, the vestiges of the professional pastor. You ever try and do that? We set up a lot of things in church that you can hide behind. Pastors too. And so it was almost like I was on stage. Not a stage like this, but almost like, okay, I'm on. I'm the pastor. I'm the community guy. This is really important. I talked about deep relationships, even out of past real experience. But not currently, something was off in my walking. And it took the word of a brother to remind me that relationships, friendships, church, doing this together, small groups together, coffees together, brave words, courageous words from a brother or sister together, that's God's way. And I had shirked from his way, because you know what? His way is, his way is actually kind of hard. It rubs on you, doesn't it? To actually be known that way, to sit there and hear that there might actually be something that I'm doing that's keeping me from life, life to its fullest. You may have that too. I've asked, I've asked the Lord to just kind of use some of that story, and I know it's, it's in generality. But you may have hurt as well. I did. And I just needed the word of a brother to kind of wake me up, throw some cold water on me, and help me see the beauty of something like Psalm 133. This is God's plan for us, church. This has been his plan from the beginning. And so today I wanna engage some of those places and I wanna call us up and I wanna sing together this Psalm of a sense. Because church is God's plan. Walking together in community, one another, is God's plan for you. That's his plan for your walking. And so have that in mind as we walk together in Psalm 133. Let's look at verse one. Again, this is a song of a sense. David wrote this as the people would go up and they were traveling. This is a walking song. And what does he say? What does he write? What do the people sing? Oh, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters, the people of God, dwell together in unity. Oh, this is something to behold. More emphatically in the Hebrew, it's not like, look at this! Look at this! Have you ever, have you ever had that moment? where you see something and you're going like, I'm so glad other people were here and they saw this because this was amazing and I'd never be able to describe it otherwise. That's the emphasis here. Behold, look how good and pleasing it is to God as we walk this great earth. Yes, with all of its hurts and with all of its pains and its striving and maybe even some of the toiling, the striving, the meaninglessness. Here is a subject that God is saying is worthy of praise, just rollicking good fellowship, unity in Christ. You see this throughout the Bible's story. Look at how much emphasis is given Ruth and Naomi, their friendship, their commitment, their loyalty to each other, David and Jonathan, Paul and Barnabas, Jesus calling 12 men to walk with him. A major theme of the Proverbs as you read through that collection is friendship. Ecclesiastes 4, Solomon's gone. Have you ever read that book? Not a lot of happy in Ecclesiastes. There's truth, but it's sobering. So Solomon has walked through almost four chapters of saying, this is meaningless, this is vanity. I saw all this oppression on earth. And then he gets to the near end of chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes, and he says, but I saw this, two are better than one, because when they work together, they have a good reward, and they can share the joy in it together. They can lift each other up. They can keep each other warm. They can comfort one another. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So throughout the pains of the life of the people of the Bible, and that baton has been passed to us, we are now continuing in that family line. God says, even amongst all this, here's something that's really good. Look, behold, when God's people dwell together in unity. It's, it's a quiet rapture. It's the good life. There's this threefold repetition. And as you read your Bible, always look for repetitions. Always look for words that repeat. And so in a sense, the repetition here in the original language is, look, how good, how pleasant. A lot of our translations don't have that. But that look, how, how is so important. It's a Trinity repetition. That means that there's completeness in this idea. That means that there is full goodness and blessing of God in this idea of his people together. It's meant to underline, twice, bold, highlight, this pleases God. This pleases God. When brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. What this looks like is it's just the fact that in me rests the Holy Spirit of God because Jesus Christ has saved me. In you rests the Holy Spirit of God, because Jesus Christ has saved you. In that, we have the greatest commonality in the cosmos. That begins Christian unity right there. doesn't matter our background, what state we're from, what demographic, age group. We have the eternal Spirit of God dwelling in us. That creates unity. This kind of unity has to be supernatural. It doesn't happen otherwise. It can't happen outside of God's work because true unity requires denial of self. And that's the call, Christian. Jesus says, come follow me, come and die, and yet live. The Psalm was written by David in a time of peace after a long and very melancholy state of confusion and division in his own kingdom. David and the people singing this song had seen disunity. They'd bled in disunity. And now they are going up to the temple and rejoicing because God has unified us. So if there's hurt for you in, in church, and if you've been in church, and it just happens, the church is made up of human beings who are all of us just kind of stumbling through this adolescence with God in our walking. And so we we bump, we're like a rock tumbler. We kind of bump and just grind on each other sometimes, don't we? And yet, David is saying in all of that, when we have this kind of unity, it's to be praised. We can praise God for it. Because we've seen disunity, we can appreciate this all the more. If you've been lonely and you find a friend, you really appreciate that friend. You praise God for that friend. If you've been a church, without a church family for some time, or you've kind of done the church search, you guys ever been there? I have. It's like, gosh, Lord, I just want to find a place to fit. I want to find a people to walk with. And it just, oh, it just doesn't seem to be happening. And then you land in that place. That's the feeling here. Look at it. How good. How pleasing. Here's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. He was a British, or not British, he was German. And he was a pastor in Nazi Germany at the height of Hitler's power. And he is saying that even in these extreme circumstances, here's what comforts a Christian. The Christian is comforted by a brief visit from a Christian brother or sister, a prayer together. Something as simple as a brother's blessing. Indeed, the Christian is strengthened by a letter written by the hand of a Christian. It is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. So there is here for David and for us ample grounds for praising God in the sense that we're even gathered here this morning. Think about the thousands of years that led to you sitting in this place. One person told someone, who told someone else, who told someone else, who told someone else, who told you. And here you are, Redemption Church, gathered. This delights God. This delights him. So this is cause for praise and it's cause for anointing because the psalm goes on. It kind of gives the, the big crescendo at the beginning and then it gives an affect and an effect of Christian unity. Two similes. It describes what unity is like. So here's what this is like. Here's what it's like when you're gathered. Here's what it's like when you're in a small group. Here's what it's like when you're talking at coffee. Here's what it's like when you wake up in the morning and you're led to pray for a brother or sister. Here's what it's like when someone stays over late to really share their heart. Here's what it's like. It is like precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron. I mean, even down to his collarbone. This precious or or goodly oil is affective. That means that it has impact. It marks, it anoints. That anointing is on Christian unity. When you're meeting with a brother or sister, God sees this anointing over your fellowship, if it's in him. It's celebrating. Oil marks the good life. It is goodly, it is costly, it is expensive. It is full life. It is anointed life. It is resurrection life together. So oil throughout scripture is a symbol of God's presence. When we celebrate together and we fellowship together, when we're gathered together, God anoints that and he sees it as good. It's an anointing oil. It marks a person as a priest. That's who God calls you. You are a kingdom priesthood. So it talks about Aaron because Aaron was the chief priest. This isn't just any old priest. This is the chief priest. Here's what Christian unity is like. It's like anointing oil on the chief priest, marking him as holy, set apart, sacred, able to do the work of God. That's over you in Christian fellowship. That's over you in Christian unity. Charles Spurgeon once said, Whenever I meet someone in whom rests the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God in me leaps to hear from the Spirit of God in them, and we feel that we are one. This is anointing. This is the idea. This is what Christian unity is like. It is like oil that anoints the relationship, that anoints the unity, that anoints the fellowship. This is the mark of God on his kingdom of priests, of his community, and it's the warmth and the ease. Oil softens the skin in hard places, oil consecrates, oil smooths. And that is what we are to be to one another. That's what Christian unity is like. It is like anointing oil. So that's affective. But what's the effect of Christian community? What does it do? So it's, it happens, it's marked, now what? Verse three, our next simile, it is like like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. Another way of reading that is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the parched hills. That's the effect. This second it is like, the second simile tells you the effect of unity on God's people. It brings refreshment to parched land. My brother knowing me enough to speak truth to me in that car that day and many days since, knowing one another well enough to pray for one another, that's the effect of Christian unity. And it is refreshment. This is in the Middle East. The Mount of Hermon, parched, dry, but in the morning, you look at it, and the entire mountainside is covered. In sparkling dew. It refreshes. That's life with spiritual friendship. But without it, it's parched land. You miss, you miss part of your inheritance of God when you pull yourself back from his people. You rob yourself of anointing oil. You rob yourself of parched... Parch, um, being parched in a desert land. This is what God promises to do. It's exactly what He's done in my life. I feel blessed because this psalm has kind of always been there in the background in my life, but it's become real and it has become refreshment for me. Because I personally walked through a desert, some of my own making, some of just withdrawing. And God has brought refreshment through His body to me, to a pastor to a pastor who leads others to do this stuff. I love him. He's so good to me. And that's my prayer for you, Redemption Church, that this would be a place of refreshment. This would be a place of such unity. Others may come in and go, oh, I was parched, but when, when I step into these, these, cha- these people, when I step into this small group, when, I, when I'm among them, it feels like refreshment. There's something sacred about them. And church, there is. This isn't a reality that you have to wrestle. It already exists. We rob ourselves when we don't live and recognize it. So will you live and recognize it? For the Lord has commanded the blessing, the psalm says. When this is recognized, the Lord commands blessing. Life forevermore. Where community is cultivated, there the Lord is. The church is part of your inheritance, your blessing your life forevermore. It's God's design to bring it about. It was God's design for you to bring you into the family, to bring others into the family, to build you up, to encourage you. It's God's calling. It's our walking together blessing forevermore. This is the gift of God. And this has always been his way. This is the way of his son, Jesus. In John 13, Jesus calls his disciples together. Just after he's washed their feet, he's taken the the stance of a servant and he's done a servant's task to them. And he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Christian community and unity doesn't just terminate on the fact that, oh, this gave me what I needed. It's actually God's design to bring others into his kingdom. Love one another. By this, Jesus says, here's the action, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Redemption Church, they'll know that you belong to Jesus if you have love for one another. In John 17, Jesus has taken his inner circle, his confidants, Peter, James, and John, into the Garden of Gethsemane with him. They fall fallen asleep. He's wrestling in prayer to the point of desperation, to the point of sweating blood, asking the Lord, is there any other way? And do you know the last recorded prayer that we have in the Gospels before Jesus goes to the crucifixion? You know who he prays for there in the garden? He prays for you. In John 17, the last recorded prayer we have of the Lord before he went to the cross, is he says, Lord, I pray not not just for these who are with me now, but for those who will believe in me because of them. Church, that's us. The Lord Jesus Christ looked through time, and he saw you and me sitting here, Redemption Church, and he prayed for you. And you know what he prayed for you? He said, Father, may they be one, just as you and I are one, so that the world may know that the Father sent the Son. This is Jesus' mission plan, Christian unity. Father, make them one. Give them unity so that the world may know. Redemption Church, this is your mission plan. Be one so that the world may know. You see this empowered in the early church. In Acts 2, our favorite community verse, right? I can't be a good groups guy if I don't bring up Acts 2. But here's what's happening in Acts 2. And here's the action point out of Psalm 133, John 13, John 17, Acts 2. You can't make Christian unity happen. You can't force it. But you can create space for it. The way the early church and we can create space for it is through submitting to God's word together. I'm just tired of coffee meetings where we shoot the breeze. I want to know, hey, what's God telling you to do in his word? What are you reading lately? What are you engaging with him on? That, that's Christian unity. We're saying we submit to the God of the universe in his word. We participate with God in the prayers. How can I pray for you today? It might even be a text. Does God ever bring someone to mind to pray for? How encouraging would it be if you sent that person just a quick text? Just let them know, hey, I'm praying for you in that thing today. That builds unity. What if you actually got together and prayed? Acts two, the fellowship. That is being together, being in proximity, walking together as you're doing now, as you do in your small group. As you do throughout the week, as you pray for one another, meet with one another, do ministry together. And then we celebrate peace with one another out of Acts 2 by breaking bread. It's not just a meal together. In the Old and New Testament, if you broke bread with someone, if you had a meal, there's a statement being made. It's saying, We have peace. And so we continually break bread with one another. We invite others to break bread with us so that we may have peace, so that we may have unity. We can create space for Christian unity to happen around these symbols that God has given us. Because He is still empowering this in you, church. You your walking together is anointed, and it's how you fulfill the commands of Scripture throughout the New Testament, some in the Gospels, mostly in the letters. There are over 50 commands that you cannot carry out without each other. Love one another, encourage one another, have the mind of Christ together stop biting and devouring one another bless one another confess your sins to one another greet one another 59 one another commands of the new testament that you cannot obey without one another we have to have one another to walk with god there was never another plan and so to walk in holiness we have to do the work together we have to do the walking together This is the mission. This is the action. Here's also the action. Because unity is supernatural. Pray for it to happen, church. Pray Psalm 133 over redemption, over your small group. Lord, would you give us this kind of unity? Maybe you're just saying like, man, Jared, I'm grateful for the church. But to be honest with you, I'd just like to have a friend right now. I don't feel there's anyone in my life that that I can really open up to. No one's asking me the hard questions. You have to create space for that, but you also have to pray. But several times throughout my life, I've just said, Lord, I'd love a friend right now. Or Lord, would you would you just let me develop a friend with this friendship with this person? Ask him. It's good. He rejoices in it. He wants to give it to you. Ask. Create space for it to happen. To walk together, to lean in to step out in Christ-like vulnerability, to follow your master's example. Say, I'm gonna share my life with you. Like a Peter, James, and John, I'm gonna actually invite you into my lowest point, Garden of Gethsemane. I'm gonna invite you to be a part of my highest point earlier in the Gospels, the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John were there for both. They saw Jesus at his height, and they saw him at his lowest. That's Christ-like vulnerability, inviting others in to see that I'm human and I need God. And I know you do too. So let's just drop the pretenses. Know that what we're doing here is anointed and it is holy and it is spiritual warfare and it's already blessed by God, life forevermore. Let's do this. So pray. This happens not necessarily in this gathering because as holy and sacred as this is, how are you sitting right now? Shoulder to shoulder. I'm talking to you. We're not having a conversation. Now, the Lord is using this. I trust He is. But the continuation of the work, the continuation of unity that blesses God happens after this, as we sit across from each other, as we talk about what He's doing in our life, how He's leading me to pray, how He's leading me to bless you, how you want to bless me. You can't just walk together in rows have to have a circle. So sitting in the circle of a small group, sitting around a circle table, these are aspects of walking together. These are aspects of Christian unity. This was Jesus' model. Jesus taught in the synagogue. He taught in public places. Think the Sermon on the Mount. But you know where Jesus taught the most, where we have the most record of him teaching? The place In the Gospels, the four Gospels, it was the home. He would go into people's homes and he would teach and he would model unity. Over 50 examples just in the book of Luke alone of him going into homes, and that's where the most powerful ministry was. That's where healing happened, that's where life change began, that's where it was up close and it was personal, there was unity. So that's his model. He taught the 70. He called 12 to walk with him. He called three into really his inner life. And even within that life, he was always walking with the father. That's the model for our disciple making as well. And that is my prayer for you, Redemption Church, is just to encourage you, to edify you. And I hope give you some really ancient tools. Prayer. Prayer. Prayer together. Breaking of bread together. Simple meal to say we have peace because of Christ. We are unified. What is God teaching you to do in his word? This is life forevermore. Fellowship. I know it may take two or three weeks to get together, but let's do it because it's important and it's sacred. This gathering and those little gatherings in your kitchens, in a prayer room, around a coffee, the enemy trembles at that because it's anointed and it's powerful and it continues the kingdom of God. That's Jesus' mission and that's how I pray for you, Redemption Church. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the mighty things that you, that you are doing and that I pray you continue to do through this body of brothers and sisters, believers. Lord, Lord, I pray your prayer for them. May you make them one, increasingly, so that the world may know here in Edmond, Oklahoma City, and and Father, who knows where else will be touched by the ministry of the unity of the brothers and sisters here. I look forward to the day where all of us are going to be together with you for eternity sitting with you, and I cannot wait, Father, to hear the stories from these brothers and sisters about how you provided for them, you led them to share, and you bore such fruit out of these gatherings, out of them together, out of their walking, Father. Would you empower them in their walking spirit? Would you empower them in their walking together? And yes, may you give them life and life evermore out of it. I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus and for the sake of your name, Father. Amen.